chapter 11. I want you, if you will, stand for one, one verse. I'll let you be seated. Verse 9 says, And then those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Take a seat. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, today is Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter. And before I really get started in my message today, I want you to know that if we do end on a, what feels like a little bit of a down note today, uh, there's a big comeback happening. <laughs> And, and I, I want you also, as, as Brother Rick mentioned, I want you to be trying to fill this house. If you've got any space on your seat, I don't see any pews that are completely full. Amen. If you've got any space on your seat, I want you to try to fill it, fill it and the one in front of you. Um, I really believe that we can, uh, we can easily, if we work at it, we can easily reach 250. Because we're going to have a lot of people that are coming from Saturday, but don't depend on don't depend on that. Um, it, it's not just it's not just that we wait and see. Word of God tells us to go out into the highways and the head the hedges and compel them to come in that His house may be full. So this is biblical, and I'm I'm, I'm charging you today. Fill this house up. Some people will come on Easter that will never come another day. Amen. Resurrection Sunday, they'll come out. Um, sometimes at Christmas, they'll come out for Christmas play or whatever. But this is, a, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for each of us to get our families, our loved ones, our friends, even your worst enemies, fine with me, into the house of the Lord. And um, we can do that. We can do that this week. Don't you work on that. How many, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you have already asked several people to come for Sunday? It's just a few of you. That's just a few of you. I want to see the rest of you asking people too. Kind of put a little bit of pressure on, on, on them. Just, just say, hey, this is Easter Sunday. You need to be in the house of the Lord. And I want you to go with me. Uh, there's a study out that says that, um, I believe it's 70% of our friends and family would come to church if we would just ask them. That's an amazing number. And we fail greatly when we don't ask. So let's ask. Father, I pray for your people and I pray for your word today. And I just ask God that you would anoint the word that I'm about to speak and let it reach every ear and accomplish your purpose, not mine, but yours. And I pray, Lord, that every heart would be receptive to what you're saying today. I pray, God, that every person, Lord, would... Uh, would be about your business this week and would invite others to come with him. And God, we just ask that your house be completely full this coming Sunday. God, may you receive all the praise and all the glory. But God, we're not just looking to next Sunday. We're looking to you today. And God, as we talk about your triumph, the tragedy, I pray, God, that you let us understand what you've gone through for us. Your tragedy means our triumph. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 11. I want to start with verse 1, and I want to read that whole, that whole passage for you. Um, and while you're, while you're there, just hold there just a minute. As I said, today is Palm Sunday.
Sunday. Today is the day that we traditionally commemorate the triumphal entry of the uh, of the Lord into Jerusalem. Now, uh, some of the denominations call this Holy Week, and I'm perfectly fine with that. It's not something that that I grew up uh, really uh, having a certain thing that you did every day leading up to Easter. And maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I didn't. But this is. Uh, this today is, is, a, is a reminder, and uh, someone told me uh, that, that the way that our calendar falls this year is exactly the way that it fell on the year that, that Jesus was crucified, and uh, it was Brother Dennis Hunter on Wednesday night. He told me that, uh, that our calendar this year falls the same as it did all those years ago. So this, this day, this Sunday, uh, being Palm Sunday, uh, would have been, you know, they, they observed they observed uh, the Sabbath on the, the, the main Sabbath on the Saturday, but Passover was a high Sabbath, and it was coming later in the week. But today, Sunday would have been their first day of the week, and so this was the day, as far as we know, that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey, and that was very, very significant. And and I want to talk about that this morning. But as he rode in, he was riding in. Um, they call it his, trium his, his triumphal entry, but, but we see that he was headed toward tragedy. And, and, and I, want to, I want us to understand that when Jesus was at the highest place in his ministry, was that's what we're celebrating today. It was, well, not really, but it looked like it from the outside. The highest place in the ministry of Jesus was, was when he said, it is finished. And that doesn't look like the highest place in his ministry. But when he had finished the plan of God, that was, that was the pinnacle of, of, of his ministry. But today represents the day that he rode into town on a donkey. And we'll talk about all that. I'll read you some scripture. We'll talk more about that. But he went from the highest place, what looked like the highest place in his ministry, to just a few days later, the lowest days of his ministry. He was celebrated on on Palm Sunday, and, and then he was crucified just a few days later. How many of you can perhaps somewhat sympathize with, with the feeling of, of perhaps being celebrated and then people turning around and kind of turning their back on you? Anybody else ever experienced that before? I have, and probably many of us have. But even if you haven't experienced that, you have probably experienced some of the best days of your life and come to find out just a few days later were going to be some of the hardest days of your life. Because life is like a, uh, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's up and it's down. And, and, and some days are good and some days are bad. And I want you to remember that God is still Lord of all of those days. He's still Lord over the good and the bad. He's not just Lord over the good. And that reminds me of a Southern Gospel song that the McCainies used to sing. He's God on the mountain, and he's still God in the valley. Amen. He, he, is, he is still just as good on your worst days. If you'll remember, and, and we, 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 will, we will go further into this. I don't know what all we'll share, but you'll remember as Jesus hung there on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus, the Son of God, felt that his Father had forsaken him. And sometimes we experience that. Sometimes we, we can't feel the presence of God. Even though his word tells us he's present, we can't feel him. We don't necessarily uh, experience the emotion of his presence, but we have his promise that he is present. Amen? Yes, amen. I want us to read.
read that now, Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 10. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And if I take a break down through this and, and break it down a little bit, just forgive me, but I, I want you to understand everything about this that, that I can share with you. Uh, verse 1 says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem from Beth Bethphage, and that looks like Bethpage, but it's it's pronounced Bethphage, uh, and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent his two disciples. I want to say something right here, and I didn't mean to stop already, but he's coming from the east. Um, that in itself is significant. Amen. He's coming from the east, and the word of God tells us that he will come again. Yes. And he will split those eastern clouds. Amen. Uh, anyway, let me read on. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and you will, as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has set. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and they found a colt tied by the door outside in the street and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And they spoke to them, just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Verse 7, then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, their cloaks, their, their outer garment, it would be like my suit jacket here, threw their cloak, their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes in the, in, in the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The word Hosanna means show favor, bring prosperity. It means Lord save. I've got to pause right there because I think we, we, we need to understand that. These people are, these people are crying out and they're, they're blessing the name of the Lord as Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, Lord, save. Lord, bring prosperity. Lord, bring your salvation. I believe that this, this, this declaration that they were that they were speaking, I believe that it was twofold. I believe that they were pronouncing blessings on Jesus because they were worshiping him, they were praising him. They they were saying their blessing on him because they said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But they were also asking the Lord for mercy. They were asking that this might be the promised Messiah that they had been waiting on. I want you to realize that they had been given a promise all the way back in the garden that there would be one who would come that would bruise the head of the serpent. Yeah. All the way back in the garden. But there had been promises all throughout the old covenant that told of the Messiah that would come, that would be seated upon the throne of David, and that all the world would, would, would submit to his authority. And right now, these people are under Roman rule, and they are being, they're being overwhelmed by the Romans, and everything that they do is being watched, and, and they are, they are they're occupied. They're, they are an occupied country. And even as Jesus rides into town, there are Roman soldiers there. Some have wondered, as Jesus rode into town, why, when people were worshiping him, why, why 
were the why were the, the, the soldiers not doing anything? Well, history tells us that they were stationed a few hundred uh, a few hundred yards away. They would have been they would have been they, they said at least the length of two to three football fields from this gate that Jesus came in. So they could have probably heard the commotion, but there was no there was no no violence. It was peaceful. So they let it go. Now, when, when we see Jesus riding into town, the people are praising and they're saying, Lord, bring prosperity. Lord, bring hope. Lord, bring salvation. They are, they are asking the Father, I believe, for, for what they've been looking for. Now, they, they, are, they are showing his importance because they are, they are throwing their their coats in the way of the donkey. They are they're they're laying down palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. They're laying down palm branches for the donkey to walk on. This would be like us rolling out the red carpet. And they're saying this is a man of of great importance. This is a man of great of great wisdom, great power, great authority, great knowledge. He is he means something. So they were worshiping him. I want us to to get here too that. The riding of the donkey into this into the city was a fulfillment of the messianic prophecy that's found in Zechariah 9, chapter 9, and verse 9 and 10. And I want to read that to you. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot. From Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, the battle bow shall be cut off. So here's a prophecy declaring that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, the foal of a donkey, the colt of a donkey, a young donkey. And this was a donkey that no one had ever ridden on. And Jesus sends his disciples and they bring it to him and he gets on it and he rides into town just as the prophecy had been given in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 and 10. So he is fulfilling prophecy. He's not only being worshipped. He's not only being praised. They're not only welcoming him as some dignitary as they throw the, the, the clothes and the palm fronds on the ground. But he is fulfilling a messianic prophecy. And they are praising and worshipping him and declaring that the praise, the blessing of God was upon him. But also beseeching the Lord for the blessing of God upon their nation. The Word of God tells us, and we all know it, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. I believe sometimes the reason we don't see the things happen that we hope will happen or that we believe should happen in our nation is because we are not serious enough about it and we don't really go to the Lord in prayer about it. We talk about it. We say, I don't like the way things are going. Things are terrible. And, and I agree they are. But we have to realize that God expects us not to talk about it to one another, but to talk about it to Him. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. And we see here the people of God at this time have turned their hearts to God. And they were crying out for mercy. They were crying out for the blessing and the favor of God to rest upon their nation. We need to do the same today. 
Jesus was the fulfillment here as he rode into town. He was the fulfillment of this messianic prophecy. And this, this, this walking in on a donkey, riding in on a donkey, it says a lot, really. It says a whole lot more. This was an announcement that Jesus was the Messiah. It was an announcement that Jesus was the king of the Jews. We see that placed on his, on his cross as he's crucified. This was the announcement. I am your king. We sometimes hear people say, Jesus never said he was king. Jesus never said he was Messiah. Jesus never said he was God. If you don't know that, and we hear a lot of skeptics saying that, uh, trying to discredit him and discredit our faith, if you don't know that, it's because you don't know the word of God. Jesus did declare who he was. And he was riding into town on a donkey, fulfilling a messianic prophecy that was written about him hundreds of years before. And he was saying, I am your king. Zechariah said, Behold your king. As a matter of fact, let me go back. The, the, the admonition in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 is rejoice greatly. They were doing that. Shout. They were doing that. Behold your king is coming to you. And they were beholding him, although they may not have realized the impact that he would have because Jesus himself said that his kingdom was not of this world. Amen? Amen. I, I told y'all on Wednesday night, just a few weeks ago, that even his disciples, I believe, had a, had a, a wrong view, a limited view. I want to explain this. That's a palm frond, cross, empty tomb, just so you know. But his, his, his disciples even had a wrong idea of who Jesus was. And we see this in, in several ways, but one, when they came to arrest Jesus, which we're talking about all this today, when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled his sword out, and he, I believe, he may have tried to take the head off of the servant, and the servant ducked and he got his ear, but he cut the ear off of, the, of, of one of the guards that came. And I, I, I want us to get, they were ready to fight. They thought Jesus was a, a military, going to be a military leader. They thought that he was going to overthrow Rome. And we can see that even as we read this scripture, even if we, if we consider what it said in verse 10, it says that I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be cut off. We see here that the, that the king who is coming, the, the, the one who is, is riding in on the, the, the donkey is the one who, who will cut off the chariot will cut off the the horse will cut will break in half the battle bow. This means that he will bring peace, and they're in occupation. They they have they are under the they're under subjection to Rome, and so they are expecting. I'm not going to trip. <laughs> they are expecting. They are expecting that that Jesus is going to do all this. These people that are are yelling and and and. Praising and blessed be the name of the Lord, saying all these things. They see someone that has the power and the authority. They've seen it. They know it because he's raised the dead. He's walked on water. He's healed the sick. That were that were that were. He's, he didn't cleanse the leper. He's given sight to the blind. People who had never walked in their entire life, thirty-eight years, laying by the pool of Bethesda, and no one to help them in, and they couldn't get well. 
Jesus had walked right up and he had spoken the word and he had touched them and they had been healed and they had been set free of their infirmity and they knew that this man was of God and they knew that he had the, the, the authority. They knew that he had the power and now he comes riding in on a donkey declaring that he is king. Now, we might not have understood what he's saying there or what this represents, but they knew it. Amen. As a matter of fact, I don't believe that the, the Romans understood it. They didn't know all the prophecy of, of the Jewish people. They didn't understand what significance there was that Jesus was riding in on a donkey. But the Jewish people knew. They were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they thought that Jesus was about to overthrow Rome and rise to power. That wasn't his plan. It wasn't the plan of God. I'm going to read on. I'm going to go just a little further. Let me, let me go back here. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes to the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And as I said, Lord save. Lord save in the highest. They were praying the right prayer, even though they didn't understand. They were praying the right prayer. Lord save in the highest. Bring the highest prosperity. Bring your greatest favor. How many of you realize that the Apostle Paul spoke this? He said, I would that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. The highest prosperity is not financial gain. The highest prosperity is that your soul prospers. The highest, the highest blessing is that not that your that your body is healed, but that your spirit comes alive and that you know the Father through Jesus Christ. That's the highest blessing. And they were saying, Hosanna in the highest. They were singing, Bring your greatest prosperity, God. They thought it was for their nation and that their nation would rise up. They were praying the right prayer even though they had a misunderstanding of what God was about to do. This was an announcement as Jesus rode in on this donkey that he was king, that he was savior. Let me read through my notes so I don't forget anything because I really want you to see this. Riding of the donkey itself signified peace. They didn't necessarily understand that even though they knew what the donkey signified. The horse signified war. But he rode in on a donkey. Well, that's the fulfillment of prophecy. But still, he's going to overthrow Rome. He rode in on a donkey. So, he was riding in on a symbol of peace. The donkey had, 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 been, had been the transportation of kings and priests for hundreds of years. If you look back through the Word of God, you'll see that, I believe it was Elijah, maybe it was Elisha, rode a donkey. But it was, the, it was a symbol of peace. He would, he would ride in. On a donkey, because he had the word of God, and that brings peace when we align ourselves with it, and it was symbolic of peace. The donkey itself declared the kingship of Christ to Jerusalem, the Jewish people, but it did it in a non-threatening way to Rome and Caesar. As I've already said, the significance of the donkey might have been understood by the Hebrews, but it was missed by the Romans. In this scripture that we just read, we see the words rejoice, shout, behold, 
and I believe they speak volumes. They announce that something great is about to take place, and now it's happening before their eyes. It's been foretold in Zechariah, and now it's happening before their eyes. I want to, I want to share something else with you, too. This, this same day had also been prophesied by Daniel. This very day. I'm telling you, this is the most amazing thing in the Word of God. And I don't have all the figures. I just want to touch on it. I'll maybe talk about it some other time. But Daniel declared the very day that Messiah would come into the city of, of, of Jerusalem. Even though Zechariah had told that he would come in on a donkey, Daniel tells the very day that it would happen. And most of the time we don't know that. This is spectacular. This is amazing. The word tells us in Daniel chapter 9, it's, it, it's interesting to me that Zechariah chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 9 speak about this day. But the word tells us in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, and, and I'm not going to turn there, I'm thinking about turning there, but it tells us that it would be a number of weeks. It would, it would, there would be 7 and 62 weeks from the command to rebuild the temple that Messiah would be revealed. Now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to go into the depth of this. But there was a command that went out. If we, if we look at Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, he went before the king and he asked for permission to, to rebuild the wall. And I believe his name was Artaxerxes. He, he gave the permission. He made a declaration. Go ahead. Rebuild the wall. And from that day, there were, there were seven weeks and 62 weeks of years. You know, the Bible talks about Daniel's 70th week. That's still to come. That is, I know this is deep, but I'm not going to go there. I'm trying to keep from I'm skirting it. I'm skirting it, but I want you to get this. The 70th week is that week of great tribulation that's called Jacob's trouble. It's still to come. There's a pause. God put a pause on his time clock. But he let seven weeks and 62 weeks of years pass by. That is, that is 69 weeks of years, or 69 times 7, what is that? 483, I believe. He let those days pass by, and the very day, to the day, 400 and whatever it is, 83 years, from the day, 483, 483 from the day that, that the king had given the commandment to Nehemiah to go rebuild the wall, Jesus walks into Jerusalem, rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. The very day... He rides in on a donkey. Yeah. Oh. Let me just say that Jesus is the Christ. Yeah. He is the Messiah. You can't plan that over almost 500 years. Wow. Nobody else rode in on a donkey that day and got that recognition. It was Jesus. <laughs> okay. So, two prophecies foretold this day. And we see that amazing things were happening. If we, if we stopped on Palm Sunday, if we just, if we just looked at everything, Palm Sunday was, it was such a wonderful day. Last week, last Sunday, in my opinion, was the, was the most powerful Sunday that we've had together since I've been here. And, and today has been good, don't get me wrong, but last week was just, was just amazing. Yeah. God's presence was here in such a powerful way. And, and sometimes we, we get to points in our lives and we think, it just can't get any better. 
heard people say, if I feel any better, I'm just going to rapture out of here. Well, you can count on that things will get worse. Those of you say better. They'll get worse. Now, I've already said it. I'm going to say it again before we're through here. That our lives are, uh, we, we go through good times, we go through bad times, we have ups, we have downs. It's like a roller coaster ride. Things will get better, but they'll get worse. And then they'll get better, and then they'll get worse again. And if we ended this story on Palm Sunday, we would be, it would look like everything was just at the, the pinnacle. Let's talk a little bit about that. We would see what is known as the Messiah's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus comes riding in on this donkey, and people are worshiping him, they're praising him, and they're throwing their clothes and, and palm fronds before him. And it's just amazing. This same Jesus, though, had been born in poverty, and he had been raised as a as a carpenter. He had, he had fulfilled prophecy all through his life, but this was coming to a, coming to a, a, a crucial moment, a climax, if you will, a, a, a point that, that everything was, it, it was do or die, it was do and die. And, and, and we see here that even though he'd been, he'd been born into, prop, into poverty, it was, it was prophesied that he would be a people, a, a God for all people, a, a, someone who would minister a Messiah for all groups, all people, not just the Jewish people. So they, they found him in a, just give me a minute, let me get there. They found him in a, in, in a manger, actually a stable, and he was laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and this was not the place for a king. But they brought him gifts that were fitting for king. And there was no gender reveal. There was no big announcement on Facebook. There was no announcement by the heads of state that a king had been born. But the angels sang. And, and the, the heavenly host had, had begun to sing and light up the, the fields where shepherds, poor little shepherds, were feeding and tending their flock. And so they had to go see him. So you've got, you've got wise men also that, that have been studying the promises of, of, of the, the, the prophecies and they've been studying the stars and they see that a baby's been born and so they go to see and shepherds go to see and you have rich and old alike coming to see. And even, even then, there, the enemy was, was against him, was after him and Herod put out a call to try to snuff out his life and, and killed all the children. And so we see these things, and like Mary, she pondered all these things in her heart. Like Mary, we wonder about that. But it was amazing. It was amazing. Then we, we see that he was raised, as I said, as a carpenter's son. But he had also, he had also become a very well-respected. 
the large crowds had followed him. He had gathered together a group of disciples who he was teaching. They were learning students of his way. They were following him. His ministry touched the entire regions of Judea and Samaria. Thousands had been healed. Thousands had heard the good news that it was the acceptable year of the Lord. Hope had risen in the masses. Now they were seeing this same man come into a donkey declaring that he was king. And they joined in the celebration. And so they're praising him. They're hailing him as king. They're, they're worshiping him. They are, they are touting him as the deliverer. He's going to deliver us. He's going to set us free from Roman rule. They're, they're excited. They're chanting and they're singing. And, and actually some of the things that they were saying was found in Psalm 118, 25 and 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Jehovah. So they're, they're quoting the prophecies, the word of God. They're excited. They're throwing palm branches in his way, in his, in his path. Just like I said, just as we might throw out a red carpet. They're worshiping him as Messiah. You couldn't have asked for greater impact. He was, the word of God calls him a prophet. It calls him an apostle. The apostle of our faith. It calls him a teacher. It calls him a shepherd. It calls him everything that we need in the body of Christ. The fivefold ministry. He had accomplished the pinnacle of ministry. Every person that he had come in contact with had been changed if they would receive him. As a matter of fact, those who wouldn't receive him had been changed. They had, they had either received him or rejected him. The, the masses of people most often accepted him, but the religious leaders rejected him because the word calls him the stone that the builders rejected. They were trying to build their nation on the foundation that Moses had laid, and Moses had just set up the, the nation to receive the Messiah. The word of God tells us that the law will point us to, the apostle Paul said, the schoolmaster. The, the law was the schoolmaster that would point us to the Messiah. So we see that they had rejected, but still it had changed them. Jesus was riding into town. And he was everything that you could expect from someone in ministry. As a matter of fact, he went beyond just a minister. He was a king. He wasn't just a king. He went beyond a king in this earthly realm. But he was Messiah. He was God's man. He rode into town and declared who he was by coming in on a donkey. Triumph. I've made it. I've got, I've got it. Now Jesus didn't say this. This is how we would be. I've made it. They see who I am. They're worshiping me. You know, you know that it must have felt good. Jesus to hear the worship of his creation. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, it's at this time when some say, tell them to hold their peace. And he says, if they hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. It must have felt spectacular. Yes. 
for his creation to be worshiping him. But he didn't, he didn't get this high, lofty thing that he, that he felt like he deserved or, or, or should just stay in that place. I want you to understand that he struggled. He struggled with it. He, he did because his flesh didn't want to go to the cross. We see that when we see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see that he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, that be done. He didn't want to have to go to the cross. He didn't want to have to face death. He didn't want to have to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He didn't want all the sin of the world to be placed upon him because he was pure and he was holy and there was no sin, no unrighteousness in him and he didn't want that. But if that's what it took, he was willing. He was willing. Right now he's at the place where it seems that everything has reached its pinnacle. The whole, the whole nation has gathered to Jerusalem for the Passover. At this day, as people were coming in, the, the, the population, I, I told some people yesterday, the population jumped from at that time in Jerusalem about 25,000 people to 150,000 people. It jumped. And the, the crowds were seeing him and they were proclaiming him king. just seemed so right. It was so perfect. That wasn't the plan. It wasn't the only plan of God. That was the plan of God. The prophecy foretold this would happen. The promise that, that he would come had to be fulfilled. This was his announcement. This wasn't why he came. He didn't come to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey and to overthrow Roman rule. He came to ride in to Jerusalem on a donkey on his way to the cross. Amen. To die for my sins and to die for your sins. Yes. He came not to stop at the triumph, but to go on to the tragedy. He came that, that we who are living in a world of tragedy might be able to go on to triumph. Amen? He didn't just come so that we could see him and behold him and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He didn't just come so that we could say, Praise God, Hosanna, bring prosperity. I want you to get what I'm saying here. Yes, I'm talking about some of the modern day gospel. And I believe that God does want to prosper us. And he does want to bless us. But it's not about my prosperity. It's not about what's in my pocket. It doesn't matter if it's full or empty. The prosperity of God is the greatest. It is the soul being saved. It's the heart being saved. The prosperity of God is not about my finance, although God will give me the blessing of finance at times. But it is about the, the, the presence of God in my life, me knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So he came 